Joey Gallo. Week one is in the books, boys. We did it. It's been a long off season. We've been waiting for this finally to happen, and it is in the books. I am Dave Reed, joined by my host Ryan Wilkinson and Joey Gallo. We're here, boys. Football started. Yeah, we made it. Week one in the books. Finally, have some real football to talk about, and uh, happy we got Joe back as well. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to have uh, a slate of games. Good to have some data points to make some decisions on for, for the remainder of the season. We've doing a lot of conjecture over the last couple of months. It's good to actually see some results. So uh, although the results weren't exactly great, I think it was an overall pretty uh, mediocre week by touchdown volume. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, it was. Uh, we we were looking ahead at a, a lot of players that we thought stepped up and disappointed, which we'll get into later. It's a lot easier to come up with a disappointed list, but uh, in general, no matter what, good or bad, having football back is a positive. Um, but with that being said, I guess like looking at week one, uh, what were some of the I guess the key things that stuck out to to either? Of you? I don't know if Joe, if you have anything in mind that you wanted to start with. Yeah, I mean, I think overall things started slow. Like the people that I was watching with, I remember we kind of looked at each other after the – it was almost the end of the first quarter across the board and there were no touchdowns to the point where we were kind of just like, oh, we, you know, we should have just known to smash the under in the first half of all these games because there was just kind of nothing happening. Um, I think there were a couple teams that surprised me. I think there were – I'm I'll be interested to see there's a couple kind of unanswered questions that I have in my mind. And, you know, some of them relate to teams that played better than I expected. Some of them teams that played worse than I expected. And, um, you know, plan on hitting on many of them uh, over the course of the pod. But, yeah, you know, it was it was good to have football. It wasn't the highest quality football, but I think better times ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. And Dave and I were talking about it earlier. I think it was just a, a bit of a disappointment from a fantasy perspective. A lot of the guys that you thought were going to go off or you talked about all offseason didn't really do too much. And as Dave said, it, it was a lot easier to come up, come up with guys that disappointed than stepped up. And that just kind of shows you how week one kind of went overall. Yeah, I agree, and we're we're gonna get into more detail on some of the players, but some teams just in general that uh, that stuck out to me. Lions, obviously, they they uh, beat the Chiefs on opening night. Uh, no, no Kelsey there, but they did look good, and it was good to see Dan Campbell Campbell setting the tone early with that uh, fourth down call going forward in their own territory. Really set the tone for the game. Uh, the Rams overall, I think, and we'll get into more surprised, I think a lot of teams, as well as their opponent, Seattle, who did not step up as much. Um, my uh, my bold prediction for the Steelers looks is off to a rough start. Uh, we'll get into that later. But I think uh, better days are ahead. Uh, I think Joey's bold prediction is uh, looking a little bit better than mine so far with the Packers. Um, Giants don't look good so far. Um and uh, I'm sure we'll get more into the Jets game in general, but that was uh, quite the roller coaster ride. It was very exciting for the one single game, but obviously season long and uh, going forward is going to be a little tough. But I guess let's start off with some positive things since it's been a very negative tone so far. Uh, what are some uh, teams or players you guys think that stepped up? I don't know if Rye, if you want to jump in first. Yeah, so one I did have was Jordan Love. I 
was a little bit skeptical coming into the season, but he looked pretty good. He had three touchdowns. He did fumble once, but they recovered. I mean, the Packers put up 38 points as a team. He had 28 fantasy points. That's a huge start to the season for him and for where he was being drafted. I think, you know, if he's on your team, you're feeling really, really good about that right now. Another quarterback I had whose name didn't come up really much at all was Baker Mayfield. Uh, the Bucks took down the Vikings on the road. He had two touchdowns, no interceptions. Not saying he had an amazing game, but he did have 20 fantasy points. And he pretty much wasn't talked about at all before week one, unless it was about how he may not be the starter. So him as well, if you have him on your team, I think you're pretty happy after that game. And then Dave, I know you'll have this one, but Brees Hall, I think you have to mention him. Coming back from the injury, 10 carries for 127 yards. Looked really, really good. Uh, didn't get into the end zone, but didn't need to. They still pulled off the win, so you got to be happy with him as well. Pretty crazy to have an 83-yard rush that was not a touchdown. Not, not a touchdown, uh, I know. But, but he he proves why his nickname is Brees Lighten. The guy is incredible. He touches the ball, and it's like 20 yards immediately. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's nice to see the burst coming back uh, off the injury, right? That was Eating my words a little bit, saying that Brees was going to potentially be a little bit of a, a bust at his ADP just because didn't really think he would he would have that kind of burst this early in the season. But he was he looked great. Took two carries to get over 100 yards in the game. It was crazy. <laughs> Insanity. <laughs> yeah, for me, uh, the thing that probably sticks out the most uh, is, is Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins. I think that. Uh, all off season, I, for the longest time, I had been kind of out on Tua with concerns over his inability to stay on the field. Um, and then towards the end of the summer and one of my other, one of my main redraft leagues, I ended up with Tyree Hill in the first round and around the sixth or the seventh, I went for the, the Tua Tyree Hill stack and ended up with the most points in that league for the for week one and and starting to think right like what what do you do in this situation right like Tua is now the odds on favor to win the MVP and it's it's all it's it's all based on just one week against a, a poor passing defense um you know is this a time to look to trade Tua like maybe you could like in a redraft Tua for someone like uh, Joe Burrow kind of feels like the, you know, like if you could trade Tua right now, it, it's probably. I, I mean, I'm not looking to, but that's to me, that's the biggest question. Is, I mean, he looked fantastic. The offense looked fantastic. Tyree Kill is is unbelievable, and if he stays on the field, then that could be a, a league winning combination that you know a lot of people were potentially afraid of. Myself being front of that list. I think that's what it all comes down to, right? It's really a health thing. If he stays on the field and he plays an entire season, then yeah, you got a huge steal where you were able to draft him and he looks phenomenal. The health still is a concern though. And I think it's still yet to be seen if he's going to make it the full season. But if he does, yeah, he, he could definitely be a league winner. And we saw it last year too. Like it, this isn't like a flash in the pan. It's like, week yeah. one just stepping up like we saw this exact type of stat line multiple times last year so and that was always the discussion if he stayed like you you could get a 
a discount on, on Tua. He's a good target later on if you want that upside pick. He's great for best ball where you draft a couple quarterbacks. I, I got him in a few best balls as well. Um, I still would be shocked if anyone would accept the Burrow for Tua uh, trade-off for myself, but uh, I would throw it out. Uh, well, tough. I do think Burrow would be better um, in general, but it's hard to say who has the better weapons, actually, when it comes down to it. Um, yeah, definitely interesting. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, the Rams look great. you got to give them credit. I'm not 100% sure that is not fool's gold there. Um, but, yeah, we'll have to see, you know, me personally, especially going into next week against San Francisco. That's a little bit of a tough spot where a lot of guys are going to be looking to play Rams who just had a, a big week. But it, it was impressive. They uh, they looked good. They got some of their young receivers involved. Uh, they were they were the offense looked very very capable. Yeah, couple other uh, players who I thought stepped up. Uh, I, I hate to admit it, Mac Jones looked pretty good. Uh, what was supposed to be a very strong defense. Uh, he, he honestly, I don't know if it's more the Eagles were not at, at the level that they should be yet, or if Mac Jones really is starting to get more comfortable and step up. But in general, he looked a lot more confident and uh, a better quarterback than he did literally all of last year. Um, I know I'll get uh, some dispute in this next one. I thought Trevor Lawrence looked awesome. Um, the turnovers, I don't believe, were his fault. Uh, it bounced off of Tank Bigsby's hand for an interception, and then the other one was a fumble from the blind side that Tank Bigsby was holding and then just didn't play, like hold on to, and it turned into a fumble for a touchdown. But in general, he looked great, and one of the main reasons why I think he looks so uh, so good and ready to step up is the addition of Calvin Ridley to the Arsenal. He was targeting Calvin Ridley early and often. Uh, Calvin Ridley looks like he's going to be that dude. Like, he looks like he hasn't missed a step. Yeah, and we've good. seen this happen when you add an elite wide receiver to a quarterback. They level up. And I'm expecting the same type of level up for Trevor Lawrence this year. Um, oh, anyone, uh, any thoughts on the Trevor Lawrence before I move on to a couple other guys that I thought stepped up? No, I had Ridley on my my list, honestly. But I, I figured that I would uh... – I would leave the Jaguars. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, like the thing about Lawrence is seven or eight rush attempts. Um, he ran a lot of Clemson. I think that was something that used to be in his arsenal a lot. If he does end up rushing for, you know, if he's averaging five to 10 rush attempts and something like 40 to 60 rush yards a game, that is going to be um, pretty, pretty big. Um, game changer in terms of his fantasy output. Um, I thought he played an okay game. You know, I, I thought the team, I thought that Ridley looked great. I think he looked about as consistent, as solid as he looked in the, in the second half of last year, which is strong. I wouldn't say elite. I wouldn't say top tier, but he, he, he looked very good. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And, uh, this is, I swear, this isn't piping up my, my team, but I also thought Anthony Richardson looked very good uh, and should probably be the, uh, one of the favorites for Rookie of the Year at this uh, point. Main reason I'm calling this out now is because we'll get into the disappointed section a little bit, and I thought he was the only uh, rookie quarterback who actually looked uh, pretty strong. Obviously, not perfect by any means, but you saw his rushing abilities uh, come through for fantasy. Uh Got it's, pretty it. just, it's pretty much just the rushing ability, though, right? Like he, he, what, what we thought about Anthony Richardson's accuracy and ability to overthrow receivers was was confirmed on multiple occasions in the game. 
but but the the rushing adds a, a a huge dynamic for both fantasy and and the Colts offense. So I uh, I don't disagree with that. But I, what I will say is I don't think he looked worse as a passer than C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, who both not, were horrible. Uh, so like that's completely you, accurate. Yeah. So when you compare it to the rookie quarterbacks, which I was saying, and you throw the rushing, I thought he looked easily the best of the three. Um, Got to call out Zay Flowers. Yeah, looks like that dude. Yeah, I, I think he had a forty percent market share in like first game as a rookie. That's out of control, and he looked good doing it. And uh, I believe he's a Boston College boy, so I got to give uh, Joey pop, props to his alum. Um, and finally, Brendan Ayuk. Um, he, it's been he people have been talking about him potentially being a wide receiver one. I know, uh, and I'll get into this later as well. But Matt Harmon, who uh, does reception perception, is a guy I. Trust a lot, and I think it's one of the best in the business. He's always been saying that uh, you could be a wide receiver one, um, but obviously there's a lot of other weapons there. Game one, he looked like it, like he was making big plays, getting open, and blocking. Like I think he like absolutely lit a guy up on on the uh, CMC play as well. So he's becoming a full rounded uh, wide receiver. So I thought he stepped up big there, and potentially could be one of the biggest breakouts this year. Yeah, he looked really, really good, and and definitely could make that you know upper tier of wide receivers going forward if he continues what he did in week one. So uh, definitely very positive for him. And uh, to that point, Brock Purdy really just didn't. Yeah, you, it's it's hard to discount. I mean, he was making some great throws all game, and you know I think Ayuk was what seven for seven or eight for eight. That doesn't happen unless you've got a quarterback who's making. Pretty good throws out there too. So Brock Purdy, Purdy looked great. Uh, actually, like I, no one really talks about him as a fantasy option. He's he's always been viewed more as like game manager. But he had uh, some big Cajone throws in there. Like it, the one touchdown to Ayuk, where Scott, like that was like that was a big boy throw. So that uh, I definitely see that, and especially coming off the injury, making plays like that already is pretty impressive. Yeah, completely agree. And uh, for a less exciting point, let's talk about the laundry list of disappointments from this week. Uh, Joe, you want to start with this one? Yeah. um, I mean, I guess the one that's probably front and center for a lot of people's minds are the the Bengals. Joe Burrow and T. Higgins and Mark Chase. And I my the biggest question to me is, uh, is Joe Burrow healthy? Right. Like, I think that the one of the biggest uh, things that I'm looking forward to seeing, I, I know there's a, a rush right now to grab the Browns defense in fantasy and the Browns defense is getting a lot of credit. But are we sh- how much of how much credit are we giving the, the Browns defense for that, for what transpired in that game versus the weather and the fact that Burrow is likely playing on a bum calf? And, you know, like I. From the first throw of the game, it just didn't seem like he was he was good. A couple of the guys that I was with was like, Burrow, Burrow's not healthy, right? We all agree he's not healthy. But it doesn't really seem like that's kind of, that's being talked about very much. It seems like a lot of the credit for how everything went is going to the Browns D. So I'm curious. I mean, it was it wasn't good by any stretch, but even in instances where where Burrow was not really feeling the heat, he wasn't making very good throws. I think the first throw of the game, he kind of made on two feet and it was like a duck. Like I, I'm like, did it slip out of his hand? Or, so he just, he didn't seem right from the, from the beginning. Uh, it was, it was really bizarre. Um, so that was one. 
And obviously the Giants offense, I'll leave that one, uh, the specific details there. I mean, they looked completely inept. And again, curious, I was high on Dallas's defense coming into the season, and I'm not totally sure that this isn't a situation where Dallas just, just doesn't have an absolutely elite defense. And, you know, if you if you're the Giants and you get behind very quickly you, and, you know, they can pin their ears back and Micah Parsons can kind of just come at you full speed. Like there's not really much you can do. So I think there'll probably be better days ahead for the Giants offense, but I also think that Dallas's defense is going to be a, a problem for whoever they face this year. If you took a picture of me for the uh, watching the last Giants playoff game last year and picture me watching the first Giants game this year, it's the identical picture. I was just depressed laying on the couch being from the start, like this stinks, but I have to sit here for another couple hours for this game to end knowing it's a disaster. So it was just gross. The whole offense show. Like, I don't, there's no even point getting into any play. The whole team was a joke. Yeah, it did not look good. My, my bold prediction of uh, Daniel Jones finishing top through is – Definitely in jeopardy after one week. He, he did not look good, but I do think there are better days ahead for them. So, Like this week. <laughs> Much different <laughs> defense right. this week. Yeah. Yeah, definitely this week. Um, you know, and then another one for me was the Chiefs wide receivers. Um, you know, obviously, Tony, you know, couple hit him right in the hands, dropped one, literally went for a, a pick six. They looked terrible. They looked lost without Kelsey, but they do get Kelsey back. So I don't think there's too, too much concern there. Um, and then on the opposite side of the Packers game, the Bears disappointed. Fields just did not look good. One passing touchdown, interception fumble. You know, everyone had these high hopes that he was going to take this Jalen Hurts leap. And I know it was only one week, but it just didn't look like he was even close to taking it in the passing game. Um, still had 59 rushing yards, but uh, I thought that was pretty disappointing for where he was being drafted. Yeah, I mean, you, there's a list of quarterbacks that just were bad this week. I know you guys mentioned Burrow and, and Fields. Fields does not look like he's taking the step so far. But Josh Allen looked completely erratic last night. It was a disaster. Like, he made everything seem harder than it has to be on every single play. Um, Hurts did not look like Hurts of last season either. Uh, don't have as many concerns there, but he just he disappointed from a fantasy perspective, and he wasn't really running the ball that much. Lamar looked horrible. Um, like yeah, the whole, yeah Lamar like, looked bad. Zay was great, but aside from that, the Ravens' offense, they were it was an easy matchup, but still, like, he did not look great. Geno, who's supposed to be – looked like Geno of old, basically. Like, it looked like last year was an aberration, but we'll see. He's got so many weapons, you hope he takes a step up. Dak, more of a product of probably the fact that the Giants got trucked, uh, so, but hard to say. Um, and as I mentioned to other rookie uh, quarterbacks, Bryce Young and Stroud just looked – like they looked like they were rookies, basically. Um, I say that after week one, who are you happy that you have as your quarterback? Is Tua the only one? Trevor Lawrence. Um, Trevor Lawrence. Okay. And, and Herbert was okay. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not concerned about Herbert. So I, I still think mm-hmm. Herbert had a solid game and, and looks good enough. Um, obviously. I don't think he was pre uh, midseason form yet, but I think he, you, you'd be pretty comfortable with him. And Mahomes, like. Once he gets Kelsey back, I think he'll be okay. I don't think you're worried with Mahomes, but it's a short list of who you're happy with. 
I'm not necessarily sure you're worried with Mahomes, but I think my the thing that I kind of like can't shake coming out of week one is between Kansas City and Philadelphia. Both of them lost coordinators in the offseason, and both of them looked kind of lost on on offense and Philly on defense too a little bit in the second half of that game. But on offense, right, like maybe we're just underestimating how much going and changing offensive coordinators of an impact that's going to have maybe even specifically early in the season. But, you know, it's a lot of change for both of those teams. And Lamar, too, new offensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah. So I'm not 100% sure that I would. And Dak. After watching the Thursday night game with KC and, and Detroit, I, I'm like, think I would, I kind of walked away from that. Like, is this going to be Kansas City's offense this year where they're going to kind of struggle? And then every once in a while, Mahomes is going to make a couple of ridiculous throws and and they're going to score points in bunches. But it's not I don't know that it's going to be the the reliable, consistent production that it's been um, historically with that offense this year. We'll see. We'll see when Kelsey's back. But yeah, I think I think Kelsey makes a big difference. It, it could be a step down, but I don't think we can make that judgment until Kelsey's back because I, I really think he's that much of a difference maker. Oh, 100%. But it, it does prove that wide receivers having talent there matters, which is sad when you see a team that has talent at wide receiver just not use them, like Drake London. What is going on in Atlanta? The guy, I thought he was hurt because I saw a zero there. And I'm like, oh, that can maybe happen. But it was one target. I'm like, how do you have one target? I think they threw the ball 18 times uh, and he had no catches and put up a goose. I mean, T. Higgins had a goose as well on eight targets, but that was more it looked like Burrow was hurt. So, like, well, maybe I'll write that one up. But London, like, you got to be terrified this year if you have him. He's so talented. Hopefully things step up in the future. But this season, it's going to be rough uh, down there. Um, and as and far won. as – that's Yeah, the, and they won. That's the, that, that's the worst thing. If you have Pitts or London or – they won. They're, they're happy with how things went. And, yeah. And, that's and that's twofold. Not that means that they're not going to change their uh, philosophy moving forward, but they're also not going to be bad enough to draft a quarterback. Uh, so like, like they're going to win a lot of games, and yeah, I, I just don't know. I feel like they're going to be in like uh, purgatory forever because uh, they had early draft picks and they used it on running backs and wide receivers, tight ends, and just they don't use them. I guess like we'll get into the usage on uh, Bajan as well, which. I got a uh, snake bitten with in my other dynasty league, but uh, de- devastating, but not as devastating as what happened to, to Rogers and Dobbins. Um, I mean, everyone knows at this point, uh, both tore their Achilles, uh, both devastating injuries for both players for separate reasons. Obviously Dobbins just got back from a terrible ACL injury last year, started looking like himself, was poised for a huge game, had a touchdown, was should have had like another one. And, and he's on the final year of his contract, and he's just never getting paid again, which that is just – you feel for the guy because he, he was he was upset with his contract before the season started, and now you see why. Um, and Rodgers, obviously, like, I don't think there's ever been more hype about a player going to a, a new team. Uh, he had hard knocks. And, like, we even saw with the Jets winning, they have talent everywhere. Uh, and, like, it would have been so much fun. I don't think there's a single – fan of football that was not excited to kind of see what this team could do. And it just sucks for football to see Rodgers get hurt, but that, uh, that that's definitely rough. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Bill's Jets game, you know, most surprising game of the week, you know, 
it could be of the year. It had a ton of hype. Rodgers, Allen, Monday Night Football, game starts, Rodgers goes down on the fourth snap. You know, but then everyone's assuming game over. Zach Wilson's coming in and Josh Allen throws three interceptions, fumbles twice, and all of a sudden the game's in overtime and it ends with the Jets uh, on a walk-off punt return. Just an unbelievable game. Um, but like you said, you got to feel for Rodgers uh, and, and Jets fans there because they have a defense that could take them to the Super Bowl. And, you know, it seems like their plan will likely be to, to continue on with Zach Wilson. And, uh, you know, I don't know if he can, can carry that offense there, but the, they definitely have the defense. Yeah, I mean, I am devastated. So devastated that going into that going into the game and going into the season multiple times. I had the thought of, I'm just so damn excited to see kind of how Rogers looks on this mm-hmm. offense. And I, and I had the thought to myself, you know, like it'll just be a shame if he has to miss significant time or if any of them go down, if Garrett Wilson gets hurt early, if Rogers gets hurt early and if he got, he got taken down on the third play of the game too. And I was kind of just like, Ooh, that was close. You know, it just, it just sucks. You know, it really, like, like Dave said, it's, if you're a fan of football, you kind of want to see when it, when a, a bunch of offensive talent is assembled like that, especially after, you know, first play of the game, Brees Hall rips off a 26 yard rush and you're just like, damn, this offense is going to be awesome. And that's it. It's over before it even starts. So, and then on the other side of the ball, just to kind of piggyback too, you know, you made a comment earlier that I, that kind of resonated in terms of Dave, in terms of, Josh Allen looking erratic. I'm not really sure exactly what's what's going on with with Josh Allen, uh, but he didn't look he didn't look himself. And I, I'm I'm wondering if it's one of those situations where, you know, you're playing a video game and you make it really really far. You almost beat the final boss, right? But then you die and you gotta go back to like the beginning. And then you play it again with like a little less focus, but you're just like, all right, you I'm need like a break before you start doing yeah, it again. I'm, too, I'm gonna do this right, and then you you get you get close to where you got the first time, but then you die again. By the third or fourth time, you're just kind of like, fuck this, just going balls at balls to the wall, just kind of like running through, just like because you can't be bought. Maybe that's a situation where Allen's just like starting to get a little impatient with the fact that they've come so close and they've had these teams that are Super Bowl caliber teams and they, they keep coming up short. Um, you know, he's got a, the mindset, he's got to get the mindset right because it seems like the, the hero ball, like not only the throws deep, but just kind of like laying his body out there, which has been necessary. Yeah. Like, I mean, every single year we go into the season with, with, you know, Bill's coaching and management saying, you know, Josh isn't going to run as much. And then, you know, he throws himself out there like he's going to end up being the next one suffering a major injury. So just not not great vibes in Buffalo. But, you know, credit to the Jets. They're a great team and we'll see what they can do without a quarterback. And, and speaking of another just overall bad team uh, from week one, at least the Steelers just looked real bad. Uh, I think, that again, better days ahead. But they did also lose the uh, Deontay Johnson uh, to a, a Pretty bad hamstring injury for at least a month. So, and I was not sure that's going to help. He, he was the lone bright spot. I thought he actually looked pretty good to start the game, yeah. and then he went down, and and that's unfortunate as well because I was high on him in this year. So that really stinks. Yeah, and that might just be a 49ers thing. 
You know, yeah, no, I think the Niners think, defense might just be that good, but uh, you know, Kenny Pickett did not look great either. So yeah, I think they'll be better, but yeah, no, the Niners defense did them uh, no no favors in that one. Um, and I guess some final notes, just a couple surprises for me. Uh, the Bajan Algier split. Uh, so I own Bajan in another dynasty league. I was playing against Algier and I lost by 0.12, uh, because Algier got all the freaking work and the touchdowns in there, but Bajan got more of the receptions and I'm not overly concerned about Bajan, but the fact that they're still going to give this much work to Algier, I guess it's because they're just not thrown to London. Um, but it, it definitely shows that Algier will have some value and it's just overall infuriating for me if you have uh, Bajan in general, because if if you got all that work that you thought like Bajan would have had the biggest like day of the week, uh, week of the of any player out there, um, and, and Gibbs too, just on piggyback on like the rookies, like they, that one I get a little bit more. But just seeing these highly drafted running backs, you thought they'd get a lot more usage than they would in week one. But I, I get it; it was a opening night primetime game against the defending champ, so I get why you stick with the vet. But those are just two more call outs I want to throw out there. Yeah, I mean, the the Bajan one is just concerning because it, it was a foregone conclusion by everyone that Algier would barely touch the field and was nothing more than a, a handcuff insurance policy. So, you know, he did rush for a thousand yards last year and to see them use him this much in week one, you know, long term, I think, you know, Robinson's still a highly thought of, but it could definitely be a little concerning this season that it's, it's much more of a timeshare than people thought it was going to be. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of um, the beginning of last season for Brees Hall, where he was kind of sharing the work, but he obviously looked like the more explosive back and not to take anything away from Al- the way Algier looked, because honestly, he, he actually did look really good. Um, I'm not as concerned about Bijan going forward. You know, he's got he got the, by far the most targets on the team. So yeah, much, including wide receivers. Yeah, much, much, would much rather uh, own him than anybody else in that offense. And he looked like his touchdown. That was an incredible play. Yeah, so it like really you, was. you saw the flashes of greatness there, and you know he's going to be good. Yeah. Well, now moving on, uh, this is a league-specific podcast initially, so do want to quickly give a run-through of how our league uh, results ended up for the week. So I'm just going to quickly run through our scores here. So in uh, week one, some of the matchups that we had, had myself against Harrison DaCosta. I came out on top uh, by a margin of about 20 points. Matty Rowe beat the the Clark and Clark brother-in-law, if you will. Canellos came up just short against Kaffer and Mike Williams. Uh, Ryan, we'll get into this in a bit, but Ryan and his brother, uh, not a great game, uh, <laughs> and, and got beat down uh, by Adam Cohen. It was a massacre. Uh, cats. Yeah, it was, it was a massacre, uh, and, and one that I think we're going to be referencing for most of the season. Um, <laughs> Schluter edged out Joey, uh, and Joey did put up a pretty good fight. I think he was right in the middle of the pack as scoring goes. Um, and Scott came up short against Croup, who I think, uh, who I believe was the top dog. But there was, a, I think I mentioned this in our uh, our league chat. There were four teams separated by like point less than point four points. Uh, two teams, actually, me and uh, I think the Clark Bros had the exact same score. So it was kind of a weird the distribution of points in there. But main reason I want to call that out. So I know a lot of leagues they do weekly highs. 
Um, but for us, rather than paying at the high score each week, uh, at the end of the season, whatever team scored the highest score of any week gets a payout for that. So we're going to track whoever has the highest score every single week. And for this week, it was uh, it was Kropa who had a hundred and twenty eight point three four points. But the wrinkle that we also have in this league is that whoever scores the lowest points uh, in any given week for the entire year, so whoever has the worst week, they're going to be funding our Toilet Bowl championship. So we have our Toilet Bowl, and if you win that, it's a way to for the teams who miss the playoffs to f- still feel like they're playing for something. They do have a cash prize for winning that, and it is funded by whoever has the worst week of the entire season. Um and so it makes it a little fun because each week you're going to be hoping you're either the highest score or if you have the highest score that no one beats yours. But if you have the lowest score, you hope someone beats you on that or that you never get anywhere near there. So for our first lowest score, it was the Wilkinson brothers um, at a uh, a very lowly. This would be a great golf score, 63.14. Uh, and mind you, we have three flex and two quarterbacks. Uh, so there's 10, 10 roster spots. So they average 6.3 with two quarterbacks on the roster. So that, this is definitely going to be one that I think might be sticking around for multiple weeks and definitely will provide a lot of entertainment for the league. So if you're listening, this is just a fun wrinkle. Maybe you can throw it into your lease going forward as well. But we'll keep you updated on how it's trending. But, Rye, any any words on that? I mean, what can I say? It was a, a rough first week of Dynasty. First Dynasty League ever. Definitely did not go as planned. Uh, I knew we were in trouble when Thursday night ended and we had, I think it was 0.3 total points from two players. Uh, I knew we were in trouble, but then it just got even worse on Sunday. Uh, really, no one did anything. Jalen hurts a little bit. Josh Allen looked terrible and was all over and still was one of the highest scores on our team. So that shows you how rough it was. Um, I'm sure the both of you have some stuff to say, though. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, I just want to point out the ironic uh, fact that is, do you know who uh, on on Ryan's entire roster, both starters and bench, who his, uh, his team's high scorer was for the week? Kyron, right? Kyron Williams. Kyron. Kyron Williams. That's the lone bright spot. We at least yeah. have him on our bench somehow because, yeah. yeah that's I was going to let Joe talk about him later, but uh, yes, uh, that is ironic. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a terrible, terrible situation, right? Like we know it's pretty bad. Likely the, there's a brighter future ahead for Allen and Hurts. Uh, you know, Lazard. Maybe not so much. Actually, that's that's a tough break there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't positive. Lazard, you know, loses his quarterback. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was just one of those around. weeks. It was just yeah. one of those weeks in in our other dynasty that I referenced a couple times, where I have, you know, two out of three years champion with. Uh, with Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, I'm, I'm pretty sure I put up a similarly paltry score in that league this week. It's just, you know, sometimes sometimes it happens, and maybe yeah. you'll be able to shake it off. you got to get Kyron in the starting lineup going forward. <laughs> yeah, he will be. It's only up from here. That's the, that's the positive. Well, I guess that's a great segue because uh, it's our next part of uh, some Dynasty targets, and these could also be uh, waiver targets in redraft. But in Dynasty, waivers are pretty thin. There's basically no one on there to really acquire. 
Um, so when you're looking at a dynasty, you should be looking more at who can you acquire cheap from other teams' benches. Um, although when you are looking at like redraft waiver wire advice and like at other other websites or content you're getting out there, those are pretty good references to kind of see what players you could be targeting because those are likely guys on the bench of other teams that are now starting to have a, a path for opportunities uh, on the playing field. So that's uh, where you can get a, a lot of. Uh, additional content that maybe not be dynasty specific but uh joe just referenced the big one kyron williams so you know what joe i'll give you uh the kind of because you've been banging the kyron drum i've been a complete disbeliever and uh i ate it this week uh still don't think he's great but at running back you it's all about opportunity and he's getting the opportunity so it's hard to hard to really argue against you right now yeah, I mean, I, I've been big on him just for the possibility that Cam Akers doesn't really have the juice anymore this year. I was surprised that he was able to uh, put it together as well as he did towards the end of last year and, you know, produce as much for fantasy and for the for the Rams as he did. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's interesting right now with, with Williams and Akers because they're they're uh at san francisco next week um but either way they're playing against san francisco doesn't really matter where yes yeah you know like and again right what's 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 i guess promising about kyron is that he's a good pass catcher he got the pass catching work but he was also getting uh carries early early on in the game too so that being said right sean the goal line too which is like yeah yeah, smalls goal line back in the league yeah but you know, Sean McVay is extremely, extremely erratic with his running back usage. And, you know, if if next if this uh, this coming Sunday against San Fran, it was acres for the first three quarters, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I, I think the thing with Kyron is, you know, like you said, the opportunity is clearly there. I was happy to see that he did something with it. And, you know, maybe we got ourselves somebody who can be a, you know, RB2 flex-ish player for the majority of the season that would be nice my only concern with it and you kind of touched on it is is i feel like just because this happened in week one it's not guaranteed to happen with sean mcveigh i mean cam Akers had zero points in week one last year if i'm remembering correctly and then you know second half of the season he was a, a league winner so i'm happy to have kyron but still a little concerned that it's going to kind of be all over the place throughout the season yeah, the one point, I guess, in Kyron's favor, uh, McVay clearly hates Cam Akers. Uh, they hated each other all last year. That's why he was not getting any work. And then they, like, seemingly made up, but it was more of just, like, there was no one left. So they're like, I guess we got to use Cam Akers. Karen, I believe Kyron was hurt most of the last year. Um, so, like, that's why he wasn't really in the mix. So this year, like, we maybe we should realize, like, McVay, I mean, uh, whatever, McVay just hates Cam Akers, there's just no way around it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I guess sticking with the Rams, uh, if you look at any like uh, like waiver column, Puka Nuku is, uh, Nukua is going to be the top uh, name on the list. He had 15 targets, dominated. He's a rookie. Um, and like you don't really see rookies dominate like that. And you earn targets. So to get 15 targets and to dominate with them is pretty huge. Um, and But honestly, and, and – Dynasty, I doubt you're going to get them him if you uh, unless you overpay because he's a rookie. Uh, he's in our league. He's on, probably on taxi squad, uh, which makes it even harder to sell. But when you draft a rookie, especially as late as uh, Puka went in drafts, he was like probably like 
at best third round, maybe even later, uh, you become way too infatuated with hitting uh, a player like that. Uh, but I do think if you own him, you should definitely listen to offers in case someone is willing to overpay for him. But I will say, again, I mentioned Matt Harmon, perception, perception, love the guy. He's got a good podcast. If you get any of his content, I highly recommend it. He was high on Puka going into pre-draft, um, and he actually uh, sees a lot of similar traits in Puka that Cooper Cup has. Not saying he's Cooper Cup, but he has a lot of similar traits in, in the way he plays, which obviously McVay knows how to utilize. Um, so who knows how long Cup is out, but it does seem like Puka should be getting a lot uh, a lot of work in at least the next three weeks, and who knows what happens Cup comes back. So it's almost this weird balance where like, it might be willing – okay to overpay depending on what it is because he's definitely going to get work but i don't know what your guys' thoughts on puka are it's interesting because i feel like everyone kind of wrote the rams off when cooper cup you know was out and injured and no one really thought about you know the other receivers and kind of thought it'd be a dumpster fire like it was last year but they looked really really good in week one and and now you have a guy like puka that's you know potentially taking over that cooper cup role while he's out and uh, we've seen how valuable that can be. So like you said, I think it would be really, really hard to get him. If I had him, you know, I, I wouldn't be giving him up. But um, yeah, see what someone offers. You never know. Yeah, it's tough uh, from a redraft perspective because I'm, you know, obviously I think everybody's doing the same the same move tonight where they're trying to determine how much they're bidding for guys in redraft and whether to burn high priority on some of these guys. I I might want to see it again before I to, before I were to invest. So let's put it this way. I don't know that I would be going to blow 20 or 30% of my fab to acquire a guy who um, is like Ryan said, right? Like he's in an offense that we weren't really especially high on going into the year. And, um, and Cooper Cup will be back. Should come back. Yeah. And so who knows what his role looks like once Cup's back. I also say, if you're going to wait one week, it's a bad week to, to see how he does because they are playing the 49ers, as right. we've mentioned. Right. So that's the thing, right? If you are sold on him and you want to go in, you have to also know that it's it's probably not – you're probably not going to want to start him this week, right? I don't want to pay $30 or $35 a fab to pick up somebody just to, to stash him on the bench either. So, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily saying that I'm out from a dynasty standpoint. I'm, I'm definitively in um, – uh, like you said, I'd be more, if I owned him, I'd be more in a listening mode. Um, you know, I don't know that I'd want to go and try and acquire after just such a small sample size. And Tutu Atwell looked pretty good too. Van Jefferson, I mean, I don't know what the hell's going on with Van Jefferson, but. Yeah, that, that, he's one of the guys that has had so many chances to do something yeah. and just never does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, you know, uh, it might not ever happen for him. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, uh, another guy who I actually personally love, but again, this is leaning more into my Steelers. Calvin Austin, um, especially now. I know I, I don't know if you guys are gonna be on him. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, Deontay's out, so Calvin's role should grow. He's fast. He had a great preseason. Uh, everyone was hyping him up, uh, and he actually ended up this past week six for six on uh, six receptions, six targets. And 37 yards. Obviously, uh, a rough defense. So, I think that's actually pretty good uh, stats coming in as the third wide receiver from that uh, from the Steelers offense that week. But I think he could be poised for a ton of work going forward. And they get the. Uh, I think they should have much easier matchups going forward. So, 
again, Deontay should be out multiple weeks. Um, he's someone who I think you could probably still get a little cheap in Dynasty, and I don't even think people are going to be blowing that much money on uh, him and redraft. So you could probably get him for like a couple bucks um, or maybe even free on waivers. But that's just someone who I liked. Uh, I don't even know if I should wait to hear if you guys have any thoughts on him. But I'll throw it at. What do you guys think about Kevin Austin? You know, I was grabbing him, um, a couple of the guys on, you know, fantasy footballers and some of the other, you know, guys that I follow on Twitter were recommending him as like a last round pick in best ball. So I was grabbing him and I really only knew of his existence uh, as we were getting closer to the season for, for that reason. Perfect dynasty grab. Yeah. But that being said, um, you know, those targets are going to have to go to somebody. I know AB is trying to get the attention of the Steelers, but I, that's not going to happen. So, you know, I, I yeah, I, that being said, right, like he's a smaller guy. Um, I wonder, I mean, I guess maybe he slides right into the Deontay role. Um, it was interesting to see. I was expecting a little more from from George Pickens week one. Uh, maybe they get him more involved, but yeah, I think uh, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm similarly intrigued. I think there'll be a good opportunity for him, and he will likely be a much bigger part of the offense with Deontay not out there. Another guy uh, I like, I, I grabbed him actually in um, another uh, dynasty. I think it's like dynasty best ball that I did with Joe and like other best balls I'm in is uh, Shahid from uh, the Saints in New Orleans. I don't, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, he's like the wide receiver three out of New Orleans. Um, he, he was showing flashes at the end of last year uh, for some long touchdowns. And he actually had five receptions for 89 yards and a score this uh, past week. So he's definitely still getting involved. And you feel like Michael Thomas is probably going to get hurt eventually, and he'll probably slide it to the wide receiver two spot eventually, and he'll really get a, a bigger role. But even if he doesn't, I still think as a wide receiver three, he's going to be a pretty useful player and someone who probably shouldn't demand too much of a, um, a big offer to, to get back on your roster. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on Shahid. Yeah, I think he's on a lot of pickup lists for this week after week one. Um like you said, it, you know, if, if something happens to Michael Thomas, then uh, that could be a huge stash for now, even if you don't start him. So he's got definitely has some value there. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought Michael Thomas looked good, but um, yeah, Jaheed looked good too. And uh, he was getting his, his receptions, the majority of them were downfield, right? I think he had like of his five catches, his, his it was like almost 20 yards per catch, which is oh, yeah. nice. So you love to see it. Yeah. And then uh, a few other guys, this is where you start getting grimy, but these are guys that are definitely hot names on the waivers. In redraft, um, they were likely someone on your bench who you were debating if you should cut or not. But Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, obviously the Dobbins going down. And Josh Kelly uh, from the Chargers with Eckler potentially hobbled. Uh, I want to get your, guess, your thoughts on those three players, how – you rank them because obviously in redraft people are, are trying to figure out the waivers, but if you're trying to target any of these guys, the biggest issue is like, you, we don't know if these guys are actually valuable or not, or what they're going to do there. I personally think the Ravens are going to add another running back at some point. So it's hard for me to go big on either one of these guys. We want to get your thoughts. So I actually had Josh Kelly on my, my sleepers list that we're going to talk about in a little bit. So out of the three, I would go after him. Uh, I mean, he had 16 rushes for 91 yards and a touchdown in week one. And, and that was with Eckler out there. And, you know, I, I don't know exactly what's going on, but it seems like Eckler could be a little hurt. So regardless, he's a huge handcuff and, you know, the sky's the limit for him if Eckler does go down and miss any time this year. So, 
I think he is a must-have if if you're in a redraft league. He's definitely someone you should think about stashing on your bench. And then I agree with you on the Ravens. I think there's definitely potential that they go out and grab someone else. So I'm not confident spending a ton to get either one of those guys. Plus, who knows between the two who ends up being the, the go-to guy that you want to start every week. So, Yeah, between the two Ravens backs, I would prefer Edwards. It seems like he's more likely to be the uh, the every down back. I think Justice Hill has historically profiled a little bit more as a pass, pass catching back. He did get the touchdowns last week, but between the two, I think Gus probably has a more secure workload going forward. I agree. I, I would put Josh Kelly first. I think he, I mean, the Chargers have been saying for years that they're trying to reduce Eckler's volume. Um, he's known to be somewhat injury prone. And he's also kind of getting up there in age. He's getting very, very dangerously close to that running back cliff in terms of uh, age. I think he's 28, which is 27, 28. 28 is generally like the, the cliff. So I think he's kind of at it right now. So um, I. Josh Kelly hasn't always impressed me. Um, I've had a, in a couple dynasty leagues, so I've kind of been paying attention to him. And I feel kind of like Van Jefferson, but yeah. I'm very surprised to see him step yeah. up. I feel like Week One uh, was by far his best performance that he's ever had. But you know, I, I think of all of those guys, I, I think realistically, and, I, and I'm not saying this to be funny, I think I'd probably rather have Kyron Williams than and then any of those guys. I think that he probably has the easiest or the most he has a pathway a more secure pathway to kind of like a stranglehold on a lead back role with touchdown upside with pass catching without really needing anybody to get hurt ahead of him so i think i probably prefer and if he's available i think i'm in on uh i hate to say it but i think i'm in on kenneth gainwell which is tough because i was completely out on the eagles backfield going into this season figuring that they were going to be uh, you know, it's going to be six or seven carries for Gainwell and six for Swift and four for Boston Scott. And turns out it's a lot of Gainwell and he looked pretty good. I mean, granted, I think he's there. They've been holding him out of practice the last two days, but I, he's a guy that I think I'm, I'm considering there's one league where he's available where I'm considering dropping a 20 or 30% of fab on because it's worth the shot that if they're going to give him the lion's share of the carries, you know, you could get, you know, fourth, fifth round, a fourth, like a, an early to mid round running back. Um, and, you know, like that's just kind of how it goes, right? Like after week one every year, there's always a couple guys who are like, oh, well, we didn't really know that guy was going to be the guy, but he is. So uh, he's probably, I don't know if you guys agree. I'd be curious to get your thoughts because I'm kind of waffling a little bit, but I think. Uh- I think I'm I, uh, we actually in a redraft with uh, I'm in Ron. I took him with the last pick, uh, and I said, "I can't believe the starting running back for the Eagles is still available <laughs> in the final round," and snagged him. Uh, Penny was a healthy scratch, and Swift got I think one target, maybe or one run. Like wasn't involved at all. So it wasn't even just that Kenny got a lot of work. Those other guys were just not even options. So I, I feel pretty confident about going for him. Yeah, I mean, Swift played 19 snaps. I had him on my stay-away list. So, um, yeah, you got to be super happy if you have Gainwell. And and if it stays like that going forward, there's huge value there. I guess you'd have to assume there is a little concern, you know, that some of those other guys do get some more snaps. They 
were listing all of them at starters as one point. I don't know if that was just a gimmick or, or if they were really thinking that way, but you know, after one week, I don't know if I would go crazy for him, but it does seem like he's the guy. So crazy that a starter was a healthy scratch. So yeah, that was definitely a posturing. Yeah. I think yeah. um, Gainwell or Algier at this point, rest of season. If you have to choose uh, Algier, right. probably just based on the offense. Yeah. Cause they're going to, they just run so much, but yeah. like, and he doesn't have the factor of his quarterback potentially siphoning touchdowns from him in the red zone. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a couple other names. These are rookies. So, again, they're they're a little tougher because people still have the emotional attachment on them from from drafting. But they didn't really smash week one. So I think there is some opportunity to potentially prime away. But I think Roshan Johnson, Sean Tucker, and Tajay Spears all have – uh, the potential to really get a lot of uh, work going forward and like potentially taking over the job. Obviously, Tajay Spears is going to be more based on injury, but Derek Henry, as Joe mentioned, did not look great week one. And Tajay Spears, I think, outsnapped him uh, this week. So that was pretty big. Rashad White looks like a jack, like just an average guy, which is what I've, I've been, I've been staying away from Rashad White because I just did not believe in him. And Rashawn Johnson looked legit. Um, and he was, uh, he was the backup in college, but he was the backup to Bijan, which apparently Algier is better than Roshan, but uh, Roshan should still be useful there. But I don't know if you guys have thoughts on those three rookies. Yeah, curious, Ryan, what your thoughts are on uh, the shots being fired at uh, Rashad White, your RB2. <laughs> My team's taking a lot of shots over here, but uh, it's it's well-deserved after our performance in week one. Um yeah, I mean, look, it, it's concerning. Sean and I did want to grab Tucker in the uh, the rookie draft. He ended up getting picked. Syracuse alums for us. Yeah, we're Syracuse fans, so we were we were hoping to to grab him. It's definitely concerning. Um, I'm not sold that he completely takes over the role at any point this year, but you know, it's not great. I'm not going to lie. The most surprising one to me though was Derrick Henry and Spears. I, I didn't pay a ton of attention to that game. I don't know if you guys noticed anything more, but I mean, he out snapped him. That seems pretty crazy to me. Yeah. He didn't get a ton of touches, but he was on the field a ton. Yeah. Yeah. They looked very, very poor. Yeah. Um, it's just going to be, I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm less confident in that offense now after seeing week one and if the offense is bad and they're not winning games, how involved is Derrick Henry going to be? And it, it might just be a situation where kind of what we feared about Henry might be might be coming true. Yeah. yeah. And before moving on uh, to our concerns, one final guy who I would potentially target, he's not on waiverless because this guy's universally owned, but I still think uh, his perceived value is lower than what I think it should be is James Cook. I think – he was on the field a ton. He was clearly going to be the lead workhorse back for the Bills. And that game was bad for the Bills. So I think that kind of suppresses his value. So I think if you were going to pounce on an opportunity to upgrade your RB2 to someone who will be potentially a high in RB2, I think James Cook should be a good target there. Yeah, I actually agree with that one. He looked like he's going to have a bell cow role this year. So that's huge. Yeah, he looked great. Yeah. Involved in the, in the pass catching, getting a ton of carries and – you know, it looked explosive against Jets defense. That's very, very quick laterally. And, you know, it was, it was, I was encouraged. Yeah. 
Uh, and then finally, some some concerned players. I think we hit basically uh, all these players as well, but just want to relist them again. I guess, uh, Ryan, I know you have a couple on your item, and, and then Joey can hop in. Um, but who are some guys that you're concerned about and you kind of want to cut bait on? Yeah, I mean, we, we touched on a lot of them already. So some of the guys I'm concerned with, not not cutting bait on, but Josh Allen, I, you know, we've talked about it. He just looked all over the place and, and didn't look like himself. Um, again, Robinson, I, I'm just a little concerned with Algier there. Um, I, I do kind of agree what Joe said, though. I think as the season progresses, it, it could sway a little more towards Robinson. So we'll see, but a little concerning. And then we talked about Drake London, just... I mean, you got to be super concerned that Ritter's going to be the quarterback the rest of the year, and I just don't see how he can can get it done if if that's his quarterback. Yeah, for me, um, Geno Smith. I have Geno Smith in a couple of different places, and uh, in one league I'm starting him, and in another two leagues I have him as a backup. Uh, I drafted Deshaun Watson, who I was less confident in, and I'm I'm. You know, in those leagues where I have other quarterback options, I think I'm probably cutting him right, right up for waiver wire guys this week. Um, it's a little concerning because he has a whole career of data, you know, preceding last year where he was mediocre to average, and last year obviously was well above average. But we'll see. That could just be a knee jerk reaction. Uh, I'm also concerned about Damian Pierce, and it's not necessarily a Pierce thing, but it's more so like uh, if C.J. Stroud can't move the ball, is Damian Pierce going to be able to, you know, score touchdowns? And is that the type of, you know, is that the type of back that like he was not really he wasn't on the field a ton once they were down? And, you know, I was big on him, his touchdown scorer prop was I think like two to one to score. And I was kind of beating that drum hard all of Sunday morning. Like, you know, he's the, he's the, the most likely person to score a touchdown on their whole team. How could he possibly be two to one? And that was exactly why he was two to one because they barely moved the ball. They barely got into the, no one's going to score a touchdown yeah. on that team. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it was bad. So I, I we'll see. Right. Just one week, but um, yeah, those are the two that come to my mind. Yeah, Pierce, I, I get I have him in redraft. I still think he'd be good. The Ravens' D is not an easy matchup, uh, but the Texans' offense looked putrid. So uh, it's a little, little worrisome there. I mean, for me, uh, we've said it many times, but Drake London. Um, Find him in redraft. I am trying to get whatever I can from him. In Dynasty, I am actually looking to see if I can get it because he still has pretty high perceived Dynasty value. But as I mentioned, I don't know when the quarterback situation is going to get better there. I don't know when the offensive philosophy is going to improve there. He has the talent, and I think that's how you sell it. Uh, but I would probably try to sell it for someone who has similar talent but a much better opportunity. Um, I wouldn't be selling him at like 50 cents on the dollar, but I would definitely be looking to see if I can get someone who I could actually use and has a decent uh, future outlook. Um, Akers, I don't really know if you can get anything for him right now. Uh, you got to – you just got to kind of wait and hopefully he has a, a good game here and there and then try to flip him. Um, so that's more of a, a hold. But if you can get anything for him, I'd start trying to get feelers out there. And Fields is someone who I still think you could probably get a good return on. But because people are, are viewing him as like a top seven, top eight quarterback, 
and he's going to have blow up games, but I just don't think he's ever getting better from where he is. Like I, I truly think he's kind of not a great passer. He'll be a good rusher, but I also don't know if the Bears are going to stick with him uh, long term for from a dynasty perspective because they, I think, is eleven straight games they've lost now. Um, so they don't care about fantasy points. They care about production on the field and winning. So I, I do have a concern that Fields maybe not a long-term quarterback for the Bears, and then you're going to be in a weird situation holding the bag on that. Um, I don't know if those are spicy takes for any of you guys, but that's just kind of where I'm at. No, I think that's a really good point with Fields. They're they're not winning real-life games, right? So at some point, they're going to have to do something, and if Fields can't actually win a football game, he has all this upside in fantasy because of his rushing ability, but if that's not winning them the football games, there's some real concern there that – you know, something happens to his job security at some point. They debated trading him and keeping the first pick too. So like they, they ultimately traded the pick, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sold on him long-term. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I would also throw out anybody on Carolina's offense. <laughs> Jeez. Just, yeah. And that team is just bad. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about, Denver on this pod. I'm a, a Russell Wilson owner. I thought they looked barely passable. Could have been a lot. Could have been a lot worse. Could have certainly been a lot better. Um, so I'm I'm hoping to see a little bit more from them moving forward too. Not not exactly cutting bait yet. If I uh, well in my situation with Russ, I'm kind of. I'm riding him out at this point with Kyler still on the IR. Yeah, I don't but, really have other options, yeah. unfortunately. And if you're in redraft and you're starting Russ, then you could probably find better options. Yeah, I hope it's like a 20-team <laughs> league if you have Russ as your starting quarterback yeah. after the draft. Yeah. Um, but I guess uh, I guess looking ahead to week two, obviously uh, we got some uh, some data points from week one. What, what are you looking – what are you guys thinking – or excited to see from week two. I mean, for me, I'm expecting a couple big bounce backs from a number of teams that really disappointed. I think the Giants should bounce back to playing the cards. I think they're four-point road favorites, potentially. Uh, the Seahawks get the Lions. I, I want to see that offense get on track. The Bills get the Raiders. I think the Bills are going to be very motivated, and I think they could go uh, put up a lot of points on the Raiders. And the Ravens, they get should be getting Mark Andrews back, so hopefully that offense starts clicking a little bit. Um also, I'm very interested to see how Zach Wilson handles the Cowboys, who just dismantled my Giants. Uh, I think that is going to be a bloodbath. Um, and as far as like watching things, Josh Kelly's usage, we, we kind of alluded to that before, kind of see if that is uh, fool's gold or not, and, and kind of how the Ravens' backfield shakes up. I don't know if there's any other thoughts you guys have for week two. Yeah, we, we touched on most of what I had. The only other thing that – I wanted to mention is I feel like there were a lot of concerns for Kenneth Walker going into the season. I think Dave, even at one point you were a little down on him. Um, but it seems like that was kind of overblown. Charbonnet only touched the ball three times in week one. And it seems like he's going to be the guy there. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. And, and the rest of it we've mostly touched on throughout this pod. I'm really interested to see in what quarterbacks step it up in week two. It just seemed like such a down week for fantasy quarterbacks. Yeah, I would say most intriguing match. Well, from a fantasy perspective, I'm curious to see how the Rams offense, uh, how their weapons end up looking coming back this week um, against San Francisco, a much more formidable defense does 
Kyron, my man, does he come through again with another productive day? Does Puka end up repeating his double-digit targets? And does Higby get more involved? And does Van Jefferson get, you know, brought back from the dead? So it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm also say Van does not. <laughs> yeah, no. <I'm> not. <laughs> yeah. Um, another guy who tragically died before the beginning of the games this weekend that I'm hoping to see come back next week is uh dallas goddard so hopefully um, Thursday night, another goose we forgot about yeah i mean like i'm glad that i i picked him early in our tight end premium dynasty league just for him to give me a a big fat goose and potentially yeah i mean if i had to point the finger at one specific person on the squad who blew it against Schluter this week it's 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 clearly him so yeah that's one thing we forgot to mention tight ends across the board were just bad like yep. it didn't really matter who you started, um, which was fine because you didn't you didn't really lose an edge against anyone. I guess you played against, but it would just disappoint, especially if you use like high or early round draft capital on uh, like a god a Godert or a Godert or I don't know how to pronounce his uh, last name. Um, but yeah, it uh, that's that's because like I think Hunter Henry was like the tight end one this week, which I did have him in best ball, but I don't think was in any uh, true redraft teams. Yeah. It was interesting to see Kelsey and Andrews were out, you know, who else, you know, who, who else do you start? And, uh, it turned out basically it didn't matter. Not Isaiah likely. Jesus. And I had high hopes for Dalton Kincaid. And how many freaking balls are we going to throw to Dawson Knox? Dawson Knox caught what? Five balls last night. And I just don't understand why you use that draft pick on Dalton Kincaid and have him out there constantly just to throw the ball to Dawson Knox nine times. So the, the high profile rookies, like I, I know Ryan just talked about Charbonnet, like all the early running backs, they just, they're like easing everyone in. Like they're just, except for if you get someone like a Puka, you're just like, no, hammer him. Just like yeah. throw him the ball. A guy, you got what? Like the fourth, fifth round. Um, yeah, it, it was definitely weird usage, but, Tied out like Donald Parham got all the looks in uh, yeah. in the charge. Like it, it was just whatever. No, no one did good in tight end this past week. So hopefully, better days ahead there. Yep. But with that, it uh, that that is our pods. We got we got week two coming up. Uh, we'll be on the pod again a week from today. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Good luck on your matchups. Good luck on your waiver pickups and uh, any trades. So thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks everyone. Later guys. Dynasty Podcast. Tune in next time.